what is up, Mission? How we doing? My name is Mike Hickerson. I'm honored to be the lead pastor of Mission Church. So if you're hanging online or in the lobby or uh, on the patio or in the room, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, man, uh, can you just help me think? So I just need to say, I just need to brag on Becky. Becky, uh, just if you didn't know what's going on, Becky just hosted uh, our, our, a host moment here. She's an incredible leader of Mission Kids. That team is amazing. I love what's going on at Mission Kids. Can you just help me thank her? Um, and God told me that you're supposed to volunteer at Mission Kids. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, don't write an email about that. I was joking. I was joking. But you should definitely consider it. Now, honored that Mission is a part of your weekend. You've got lots of options. We exist as a church uh, to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're going after together. Man, there are no perfect people here. In fact, if you're just hanging out at Mission, you'll get used to this part. So I just want you to turn to the people next to you and be like, he's talking to you. No, just I want you to turn to next to them and be like, hey, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, and I really mean this like eyeball you are not perfect just turn to the people next to you and say that this will help us out uh they'll turn next to you they'll say that to you the fighting will break out I don't mean this in a shame-based way this is not a shame-based way and I don't mean that we're in the parking lot and we're telling each other we're number one to remind each other how imperfect we are or when we're fighting later to remind each other how imperfect we are I mean it as the church together as the people, not the building thing, but the people thing together, it's helpful to remember that there are no perfect people, but there's a really perfect God who rescues and saves. It's like level sets everything, but change is possible and anyone is welcome. We don't have to stay stuck in the same hurts or habits or hangups that we've been in. That means that there's hope for every single one of us, that though we're not perfect, God sent his perfect son into the world to give us the right to be restored as much love rescued sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that is great news. That means there's hope for every single one of us along the way. And I wouldn't pretend to know where you're walking in or what you're walking in from or what you think about God, Jesus, Bible, Christians. I understand all, all of that, that, there's, that that's a journey worth going on. But in this series, we've said, okay, this is us. Like, what does it mean to be the church and not just attend the event of church or attend the building of church, but it'd be the people that make up the church? And so we just wanted to remind each other, all of us need this reminder from time to time, is this is what it looks like to be the church, to be part of this local church, which would be mission. It means that there's tangible hope, meaning it's not just some theory out there. It's not just some esoteric view or some philosophical view that actually God rescues and saves and he rewrites stories. And it's real people that he could, like, we could all like raise my hand and be like, that's me. He's rescued and saved me. Without God, I'd be sunk. Without God, I'd be dead. Without God, he's transformed my marriage. He's transformed my life. He's whatever it is. It's a real tangible thing where we know actual people or we've experienced actually ourselves the hope that only Jesus can offer. And then we want to say, like, this is us, meaning like practical help. Like we show up in our world, like in our city, in our community. When, when there's help, we're like, man, we help. Man, we can't do everything, but we can help. We can for sure do something. We said we'd want our city, we'd want our community, we'd want our neighbors, we'd want our teams to go like, I don't know if I believe everything that those mission people believe, but if I needed help, that's where I would go. And we lean in towards practical help. And then we said, like, we want to be people of good news that way. And then, to, like, today we're going to walk through what it means to have life, be a part of a life-changing ministry. And then next week we'll talk about throw great parties. That won't be very fun. So just it'll be boring. You won't want to be part of it. I'm just kidding. It'll be incredible. Like, because the people of Jesus, like, Christians should have the most to celebrate in our world. We should be the, the most joyful, the most hope bringers, the most hope dealers. Like, we should, because we're people of good news. And some of us as Christ followers need to tell our face that. Um, so that, because we need to be that. And then, la then last week of the series, we'll walk through what it means to have a kingdom impact together. 
And so if we were just sitting down, because we're friends, me and you are friends, um, so we would just be hanging out for dinner or lunch or coffee or too much coffee, or we'd have breakfast, but hopefully not too early, although my body's changing, I'm getting up early, maybe it could be earlier now, I don't know. But like we would just be hanging out, and if I was like, hey, tell me, tell me your story of like, when, when has God been like working on you in your life? Like when you feel like he's been like close to you, or when has he been like trying to reach out to you, or when he's been trying to make an impact on your life, if you're tracking back through your story, and this wouldn't be everybody, but for most of us, there's probably like, man, I remember a time, like when I was a kid, and my mom drugged me to some place, or you know, I was a student, and like I went to this retreat or this event, I remember like, it was like God was in that moment, this experience I had with God as a kid, and then I went and kind of did my own thing, but there's been times in my life, like I'll show up like at a church experience, or a church event, like I'll come on a weekend and I'll feel like my, you would tell me, cause we're friends, you'd be like, it feels like sometimes whoever's like, they're just talking to me. Like the room disappears and it's like, God is like, oh, they're like, and you're like, you know, like, I'm like, I was supposed to be here today. Like God uses stuff like that. Or maybe it's like, I, there was this retreat that I went on and I created some space to let God work, and he showed up. You didn't, wouldn't know how to say it, or this conference I went to, or this group that I was in, or the, the step that I took. There would be this life-changing thing that God used, and it's not everybody's story. Sometimes it's a little bit more unique and like specific than that, but most of us would have, if we were hanging out, you'd tell me that story of like, there was this life-changing thing that was like a ministry or an event or an experience that I was a part of that God used to really bring me back to him. And then I was like, well, what's he, like, how's he grown your faith since then? And you'd talk to me, hopefully, about getting in God's word, but you'd also say, like, I took this risk, like, to be known, and, like, God used people to help me grow. And then I took this risk to, like, get involved in, like, a ministry or an event or a group of people that were helping other people do good or helping other people find Jesus or kind of like doing good in our world or our community. And God used that ministry thing to change my life as well. And so that's what we're talking about today. One of the primary ways that God grows our faith is through getting involved with what he is doing in the world. Yes, we show up and attend or are part of life-changing ministry events. And yes, God like, meets us in those moments, a lot of us. But also, he changes our life when we get involved with what he's doing. And no, you don't feel equipped. You don't feel qualified and you don't feel called and you don't feel prepared for it. But eventually, you feel like God has uniquely gifted and wired me for such a time as this. In fact, I, I am so passionate about this. I wrote my own quote. It's not going to be on here, but this is what I said. Mission wants everything that we do. Like we're, we don't do, like we're a church plant. So we, we got to make up our own, like what we do. And so like we want everything that we do. We don't want to just do it because we've always done it. We don't have things like that because we've only been around for like a decade. So we don't have things we've always done. We want everything we do, every group that we offer, every kid's experience, every student experience, every party that we throw, every next step that we take, every, like every weekend experience, you name it. We want everything that we do to be an opportunity to, for God to change someone's life. And we want to take that, we take that really seriously. We care about it. And we also, it might be the people serving at that experience that their life changes because they're serving at that experience. We are very aware of that. So if I had a dream and I've had a heart, if you wanted to know like how your faith could grow, and I don't know if you're on that journey of wanting your faith to grow, but if, if we could just make church not an event that we go to or a building that we go to, but a people that we are, it's going to change our lives together. 
And my dream for all of us would be that everyone that is a part of mission would have a role and a relationship. That we know like, man, I don't know if I'm qualified, but man, I'm taking a step to serve and get involved. And I am taking a step to be known and get in a circle and encourage others and be encouraged and love and, and be loved and serve and be served. But I'm also putting myself out there, not just to attend life-changing ministry events, but to be part of what God is doing in other people's life. And I promise you, you do that and you watch your faith grow. And if you could do me a favor, don't tell anyone I said this, but if you have a student or a kid here at Mission, or you know somebody that's never been to church except for Mission, don't tell them that it's not normal to serve and be involved in community. Because they don't know any different. I know some of us grew up and we just attend the event and then it doesn't change our life and then we had to come back to a real relationship with God. Are you with me? But don't tell our students that. And don't tell anybody that's never been involved with the church that here at Mission because they think it's normal that when you get involved and God changes your life, you serve around here. And when you get involved and God changes your life, you get in community or known in circles around here. And so when they go off to college, they're going to look for a community and a church. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to get involved in serving and being a group at it. And don't tell them that it's not normal. And then somebody that's never attended church and the only church experience they know is mission is like, well, mission would always fight for us to get involved and be good news and also get involved in community, role and relationship. They would always fight for that. So if they ever get transferred or if they ever have to move from this place, they're going to go to another city, another place where God is working and they're going to look for a church and you know what they're going to do? They're going to go like, I should probably be of service around here because that's the best way to live. I should probably be known in a community around here because that's the best way to live. And I'm telling you, if you want your faith to grow, Role and relationships. Some of my friends, if we were sitting and hanging out, you would be like, we're just, I'm just having some trouble getting connected. I haven't quite figured it out yet. Mission's like a big church. I'm not really used to that. You may feel that. You may not. That's okay. And I'd be like, well, if you, you're going to hate heaven if you think it's big. If it's too big, you're going to hate heaven. There's going to be a lot of people there, hopefully, right? It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Because we're friends, I can make that joke. But I'm like, well, uh, so I would ask you, like, yeah, yeah, it's sometimes hard to connect. I mean, it's not always the simplest thing. I mean, life is hard sometimes. So, like, where are you serving is what I would ask. And you'd be like, ah. I'd be like, okay, all right. So, like, which group are you in? Who are you known by? Like, where, what group? And you'd be like, ah. I mean, that's why it's hard to connect. Because we want everyone at Mission to have a role in relationships. We want to be the church and not only attend life-changing ministry, we want to be part of life-changing ministry as well. Like God is helping use us. So I want to walk through a pretty famous story I want to pull out that Jesus interacts with, um, um, the crowd of people, and then challenges his people closest to him to kind of be part of life-changing ministry. And I want to pull out a couple real practical things and then tell a story and have a challenge. That's what we're doing for the rest of the time. So Matthew 14 There's this encounter that Jesus has. I need to set the stage for you because it's right after, literally right after, his cousin, John the Baptist, his last name wasn't the Baptist, but in the Bible, we know that's his cousin John, was, was just murdered by the king because he was this prophet that was telling everybody that Jesus was coming. This is one of his closest friends. In fact, Jesus spoke so highly about John. He's like, no other man born of woman is, is better than John the Baptist. Like, he, like this is his boy. Like, they're lifelong friends, and he's just been killed. And Jesus gets word to that, and then this is where we pick it up in Matthew 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, John the Baptist, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. 
continues to say, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. At this point, and then we're going to find out later, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are following Jesus. And they all have needs, and they all have wants, and they all have things that he should be doing for them. If he is who they think that he is, then he should be providing what they think that they should be, he should be providing. I mean, it's, and he just needs some time away. Like, he just had some hurt. He just had some pain. He just had some sad news. Like, he may have been exhausted. Verse 14, when Jesus landed, because he's getting a boat, he's trying to get away, and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. This is how I know Jesus is the Son of God. One of the reasons, because I ain't doing that. I'm like, I'm trying to get away. I'm exhausted. I'm emotionally exhausted. Like, I've just experienced pain, and all these people have all these needs that I'm like, I just, like, I would be like, and maybe this makes me a bad pastor. This is why you can pray for me. This is why I know that Jesus is good, because when he sees the people with needs, he has compassion on them and heals them. And compassion isn't this, like, I feel very empathetic towards you. Oh, that sounds really hard. Compassion is feeling that moves towards action. It's love and action. So Jesus sees this need in verse 14. He feels like God puts him in this specific place at this specific reason, for, at this specific time, with this specific abilities, as if he was supposed to be like God's ambassador in that moment. He didn't just think about what should have already been done. He didn't wait for the professional to come along. He didn't criticize the Jewish system that had set up all these sick and poor people in front of him. He saw a need in the moment that he could meet, and he met it in love and action. He saw a need, and he met a need. Verse 15, as evening approaches, the disciples came to him and said, his boys, you know, it's like inner circle. It's not just boys, but it's like crew of people said, this is a remote place. We're out in the sticks, dude. You were trying to get away, and they all came out here, and there's no food trucks. Like, there's no McDonald's. There's no, like, we're, they need to go home. And it's already getting late, so send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Like, they have an idea of what Jesus should do. They got it all figured out. And Jesus is awesome because he blows their mind, and he says this. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they're like, well, I'm, Jesus, we're, we are a ragtag group of your followers. We're poor. We have no place to stay. We have no money. We have no food. We were kind of hoping you'd provide the food. So we need to get these people out of here so we can be taken care of. And he says, no, no, you, you do it. There's this exciting tension that happens when you sense a need that needs to be met and God calls you to meet that need. And when you're like, I'm, I'm not prepared for that. I'm not equipped for that. I can't provide for that. I can't fund that. Like these are the questions that are rolling through their mind. We feel those nudges. We think, this is what happens with us, we think, I don't, do that stuff, Jesus. I, I pray for someone to do that stuff because I'm so spiritual. Like, I don't go on mission trips. I pray for people to go on mission trips. I don't volunteer at Mission Kids. I, God bless those volunteers and raise up an army of people. I don't meet my neighbor's needs. I, I pray that their needs will be met. 
And like there's something powerful that happens when we move from like empathy and compassion and action and God's going, no, no, I know that you know their needs. It's, it's you. Verse 17, they kind of start making excuses like we do. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Like we got, we got nothing. And they were right. We aren't prepared. We aren't equipped. We can't. You got the wrong guys. And I love what Jesus says. This is one of my sneaky favorite verses in all the New Testament. Verse 18, Matthew 14, 18. Bring them here to me, he said. What do we got? Jesus like, okay, bring that here. I can work with that. And let me pull that 2,000 years into this room and in the, like, in the lobby and online and in the patio. Like, Jesus is going, great, bring that here. Whatever you got, I can work with that. You're like, Jesus, I have two years of college and I slept through most of the classes. <laughs> Jesus is like, great, bring that here. Jesus is like, I can, I can work with that. I don't know hardly any of the Bible, Jesus. And Jesus is like, okay. Bring what you got here. Jesus is saying, I, I, I can work with that. You may be going like, I, don't, I have a rough past. And Jesus is like, I know, I know, dude. <laughs> it's not a surprise to me. But, but bring it here. I can work with that. You know, you may be going like, I have no time. Literally, no time. Jesus is going like, well, what time do you have? Jesus would say, bring, bring that here. I, I can work with that. Bring it to me. I don't have all the answers. What answers do you have? Bring it here. Jesus would say, I can work with that. I don't have enough experience. Jesus is like, well, bring it, bring, bring it to me, and I can work with that. There's a principle at play here that I think is pretty powerful for all of us. If we're not only attending life-changing ministry events, but want to take this step to get into being part of life-changing ministry, is this is what we do. I do what only I can do, and I trust God to do what only he can do. I do what only I can do, and I trust God to do what only he can do. So Jesus says, bring, bring what you got to me. I've asked you to meet needs, but bring what you got to me. And then watch what he does in verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, and he took five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves, and he gave, thanks to the, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Women and children, we count you today. I see it was a different in the first century, so don't get mad. So we're saying roughly seven to 15,000 people were following Jesus right here. He says, what do you got? No, you feed them. What do you got? Bring that here to me, and I can work with that. I do what only I can do, and I trust God to do what only he can do. And what I love about this, you know the disciples were carrying the basket loaf. You know, like, oh my goodness, did you just see what happened? You know they're wigging out a little bit behind the scenes like, oh, you know, how does this happen? Does this mean we get to eat free for the rest of our lives? You know, like, but you know what they didn't think? We are so good at making something from nothing. The disciples weren't going, we need to go into business, of like a you know, fish and loaves business because we're so great at this. No, they knew where the results lie. They knew that God got all the credit and they had nothing to do with it. 
Like they, so they did what they knew how to do and trusted God for the results and their faith was stretched. They did what they knew how to do, trusted God and their faith grew and their confidence in God was expanded. So let me just be super practical for a second. We've all been wired with a unique shape. I stole this from a long time ago from a guy named Rick Warren. If you know something better, then help me because I think this is amazing and it sticks in my head and it helps me understand it. We've all been wired with a unique God-given shape that he's given us and he's asking us to play in his world and like help people find and follow him. We've all been given spiritual gifts. We've all uniquely been given something by God to point people to God about how good he is. And it's unique to you. And some of us may have the gift of hospitality or helps or craftsmanship or encouragement or administration or mercy or faith or leadership or the list goes on and on and on. But God has uniquely given you something that points people around you to how good God is. And then we all have been given this heartbeat, this the, eight, the passion side of us, some of us like, have to turn the heartbeat off and when something comes on the channel that we don't want to see because it's too much for us, we change it because it's, we, our, our heart immediately goes that somebody should do something about that. Or there's, some, there's like passions that stirred up or issues that are in our heart or something that happens in us that's uniquely wired to us. So you take your spiritual gifts and the heartbeat passion that you have and then you add to that your abilities. Like the natural things that from birth you've just been able to do. Some of us have been able to like sing from birth and it's amazing. Some of us have not been able to sing from birth and it's amazing. So we all have these things though that we can't try to like make something we're not. These abilities or maybe it's putting a puzzle together or maybe it's figuring something out or maybe it's a leadership thing or maybe it's this natural way that you can, uh, like whatever it is, those abilities that have been natural from the very beginning. You take your spiritual gifts that are unique, your heartbeat that's unique, your abilities that are unique and then your personality that's unique in God giving. Like that Myers-Briggs part of you or that um, Enneagram part of you or the strength finder part of you or the disc part of you or the animal thing part of you or the color thing part of you. Whatever that is, you take that and go, okay, okay, I've got my spiritual gifts, my heartbeat, my abilities, my personality that's not changing. And then I've been given these experiences that are unique to you. And you watch how God uses your shape. I mean, who better on these experiences, who better to sit down with someone who's going through a divorce and knows that God is faithful than somebody who's been there before? I mean, who better to help another parent who's struggling with a prodigal child than someone who has had to do it already? Who better to walk with someone down the road of recovery from addiction than somebody who's already traveled down that same road? You take your spiritual gifts, your heartbeat, your abilities, your, your personality, and your experiences, and you watch what God does and how he uses that uniquely to you and how he'll involve you in life changing ministry. And when you use all of that to help somebody else where God is working, you watch your faith grow. There's this verse in 1 Corinthians that I love. It says, each person is given something to do to show who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit into all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. So two life-changing ministry questions that I would want everybody at mission to wrestle through. Because I think God has uniquely placed all of us exactly where we are for such a time as this. And these questions are this. Who are my people and where is my place? Because I feel like that's a holy answer to those questions. Something holy about that, Eugene Peterson would say, like where he has uniquely placed you for such a time as this, that these are your people and this is your place. And you watch how God uses you and grows your faith along that journey. Gina Sosa is a... Uh, friend around here at Mission, she's awesome. 
I love her and her family and her, her story's great. But she walked into mission students as a complete skeptic and outsider and was like, I don't know about all this. And then God has done a work on her and won her over and rescued her. But also she's started to like pay that back. She's like in her 20s and like been a leader at mission students for four years. And I'm just so proud of the way that God uses her life. So I thought it'd be helpful for you to maybe hear some of her story in this. Check it out. Hi, my name is Gina Sosa and this is my story. So I was born and raised in Oxford, California. Um, my mom and my dad are not together. They have been divorced for quite a while. I wanna say since I was about eight or nine. But I grew up with my dad being an alcoholic. He was very verbally abusive. I felt unsafe. I felt that I wasn't wanted and that he chose something far more worse than to me in my life as a, a father figure. My mom, she kind of had to like be there for us as a, as a second parent, being both a mom and a dad uh, figure in my life. So when I was about 15, my mom started looking into churches. She wanted to start getting going to church more. I was very skeptical about it. I didn't want to go because that wasn't for me. I always thought that why would I be somewhere where I didn't feel welcomed. She told us that we were going to be joining in on their youth groups that they had there. But me and my sister, we just felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable because I didn't know anyone. And we got there and I kind of just sat there, didn't want to interact with anyone. They mentioned about a summer camp in Arizona. My mom kind of was like, oh, you're going to go, like we already signed you up. So I was like, well, now I can't say no. So we went, um, didn't know anyone at all. I felt still that I wasn't, I had no purpose in being there really. I just felt, okay, I'm here to satisfy my mom. I'm just here to satisfy everyone else but myself. One day, like during our lunch, I wanna say, um, me and my sister just kind of were over it all. We wanted to go home, um, we were crying. We just didn't wanna be there at all. So Taylor came over, he brought Hayden Hickerson and uh, Maisie Oaks over to us, introduced both of them to us, and like they were just very welcoming people. Um, they had brought us over to like hang with them, play these card games with um, them and their friends and their people that they've known, and that just made me feel very like welcomed, um, very like, okay, I can let down this guard, I don't have to be oh, these people don't know me, they don't like me, they don't see what I see. And so that just really made me feel really good. And when I continued to go, like Taylor was just always talking about um, how good of a leader I would be, how well I like communicated with the students around me. Um, just several things. I told them I didn't see that in myself. I just told them that wasn't me. That wasn't something I would just see myself doing at all. He just reassured me that, that it was, that he knew that that was going to be something he can see me doing for a long run. And now I've been leading in students for going on four years, and it has been just incredible like I get to see students who were in my shoes who didn't feel 
comfortable coming to church who said that they weren't going to be seen, that they had no purpose in coming. So sitting down and talking to some of those students um, and actually telling them like, well, I've been in your shoes. I've dealt with that. I didn't want to be around anyone a part of church. And it just made them feel like, oh, okay, well, look at her. She's a leader. She helps out around the church, but she's also been through everything that I've been through. And to know that I can relate to some of the students in ways, it it makes me like really happy. Like to know that they're comfortable, it it really that just touches me a lot, a lot. My name's Gina Sosa, and this is us. So, man, I would beg for you to have a life-changing experience with God. Like, that's why we exist as a church, one of those reasons, right? But I also, once that happens and you become a follower of Jesus, I'd want you to get in on serving a role in relationship because that is where the real fun is and God grows you up. And you'll watch as your life changes and other people's life change. And I'd want you to have good answers to like the who are my people and where is my place? Because God has equipped you with everything that you need to live the life right where he has you for the people that he has you around. There's something holy about that and great about that. And I do what I can do and I trust God to do what only he can do. Why don't you pray with me? God, you are good and you're great and you rescue and save. You didn't just like clean us up and move on like you rescue and save and clean us up and then set us on mission with our lives with hope and purpose and joy and peace. So we don't want to miss out on that. And so God, we have all kinds of objections of why we can't, but would you just convince us and move towards us that you have called us for such a time as this to get in the game. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.